Greetings, eh? Thank you for tuning in to Sega Saturn Shiro, the only podcast committed to preventing the Dark Dragon from reaching the tower. Now that sounds very Panzer-esque, and that's because today, your Shiro's Ben, Kay, and myself will spend the next while discussing what is perhaps the most famous IP tied to the Saturn, and that is of course Panzer Dragoon. We'll briefly go over every game in the Panzer universe that we could find, eh? We'll share our experiences with the games and even read some of your responses to our recent uh, Panzer discussion tweets and posts. Now, one more thing before we dive in. You may be wondering, where's Patrick? Did the Dark Dragon get to him? Well, fear not. Everything is well with uh, our intrepid host. He is actually in the middle of a move. He's moving into a new house, so he's uh, extremely busy. And uh, we'll only be on very briefly a little bit later on in the cast. But by our next episode, he'll be back to regularly scheduled programming. All right, so let's dive right in. Let's do a very brief overview of every single game that we could find in the Panzer Dragoon universe. So, of course, it all started with the original Panzer Dragoon. It uh, released in 95. And it made heavy use of the infinite plane that the VDP-2 chip on the Saturn produces. Uh, it was really noted for its opening cinematic and orchestral score, both of which were obviously a huge leap over what was available in 16-bit. It ran at a pretty good 20 frames per second. It was scored by Yoshitaka Azuma, um, and it was a full Red Book audio uh, soundtrack that was timed to gameplay events, which in itself was pretty novel at the time. That's amazing, actually. <laughs> you, you know, it was amazing, wasn't it? And I don't think that folks had seen that before. So, you know, you're exiting a cave and, and you know, you get that, that flash of light and the score just picks up. I thought that was just phenomenal. Um, and it really, you know, in those early days, Panzer Dragoon was the best example of what the Saturn, uh, you know, offered. You know, maybe more so than Virtua Fighter or even Daytona USA. It was Panzer Dragoon that uh, grabbed people's attention. Um the Xbox Panzer Dragoon Orta title includes the Windows PC version of the original Panzer Dragoon as an unlockable. And uh, just another thing to mention, there are two versions of the Windows PC game. One is the customized for the uh, NV1 graphics card, which uses quads as the geometric primitive, while the second version was set up with more traditional graphic cards. And next after that, uh, we had the sequel, which was uh, Panzer Dragoon Zwei, or uh, let me see if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, what is the German pronunciation there, uh, Peter? It's Zwei, so do Panzer Dragoon Zwei. Zwei. Okay, great. Thank you very much. And uh, this came out a year later in 96. This one ran at 30 frames per second and included multiple routes, evolving dragons, and even a berserker attack, which really added a lot to the gameplay. The score itself was changed to chiptune and was scored by Yayoi Wachi. And it was, at the time, the most expensive game Sega had ever done, which was pretty impressive. And for their effort, it came out really nice. There's a, a lot of good review on this game. Next up on the list, the final installment on the Saturn was uh, the, probably the, the most famous of the series, Panzer Dragoon Saga, in Japan known as Azul. Panzer Dragoon RPG. came out in 1998, uh, but development had begun in 1996 at about the same time as Vi. And uh, the game was billed as competition for Final Fantasy VII. Uh, but reality is, like, they're, they're both wonderful games and they're very different you know, as how they handle an RPG style of game. 
uh, in the West, there is a very low print run. Uh, so, as everyone knows, you can command five, six, seven hundred dollars for this game, depending on condition. Uh, if it's the English translation versions, I uh, also of note, uh, you lucky Europeans out there, uh, you guys got the first disc in its entirety uh, available as a demo. I believe attached to one of the uh, Sega um, Saturn specific magazines that ran at the time. Yeah, from what I'm understanding is uh, basically they did an extra run on the first disc in Europe, and that's basically what the demo disc is. Yeah, you can tell the difference because it specifically states that it's a demo disc, but you know, having the entire first disc, like one quarter, probably actually like when you when you think about how little you know is actually on the end, like the fourth disc, you got probably about more than a quarter of gameplay available to you for free, and that's kind of epic. So yeah, good on you, Sega Europe. Moving on from that, in next game uh, that w- kind of follows the main line, like at least the rail shooter versions, um, was the Panzer Dragoon Orta that came out on the Xbox, even though it wasn't actually the next released game. Um, it's the last main sequence game. It was released in 2002 exclusively on the Xbox, and only some of Team Andromeda worked on that. But part of the reason why it was an Xbox exclusive is because the director of Panzer Dragoon, Yukio uh, Futasugi, uh, had actually been hired over and worked at Microsoft Game Studios in Japan during that time. And among other things, produced Phantom Dust on the original Xbox. Now, somewhere, I, we were doing their notes for the show, and I had remembered that an interview had occurred uh, with him and one of the questions that was asked in this interview was if the title Phantom Dust had anything to do with Panzer Dragoon. And he had confirmed, yes, it was in that interview. But of course, I'm not credible right now because I can't find it for the life of me. <laughs> so other things to note about uh, Panzer Dragoon Orta is that it ran at a very nice 60 frames per second. And it also supported widescreen as well as progressive scan output. So it was one of the most beautiful games on the Xbox and quite frankly, one of the most beautiful games produced during that entire time period in the early 2000s. Now, it is a rail shooter, but there is question as to whether or not it is 100% canon with story. Different sources will say different things. Uh, We should also not forget the Game Gear game. So this is one that uh, not too many folks are aware of. It's uh, Panzer Dragoon Mini. So it's really the only game in the series where there is no rider on the dragon. Obviously, it's a very limited sort of game because it's running on, you know, being a Game Gear game, it's essentially running on Master System hardware. The game's notable because it doesn't really have much of a story to it. The creator of the series, Yukio Futatsugi, he confirmed in an interview with uh, 1UP that he really had no involvement with uh, Panzer Dragoon Mini uh, besides approving the packaging. And it was actually uh, Sega of America that did uh, everything else for this one. Now, if we're going to get really obscure, there's two other Panzer Dragoon games out there. And these are both made by Tiger Electronics. The first one is the uh, Panzer Dragoon Pocket Arcade, which is basically like your standard uh, Tiger arcade game. Uh, You know, just a little handheld standalone. But this one had a little flap door that covered it up. So it was more fancy, you know, that sort of thing. And um, then along the same lines, you also have this device called the R-Zone which was a headset unit that you would put on and you would use cartridges to go into the the base unit and the controller. And so what you would do is you'd you'd hold the controller in your hand and you'd have the headset on 
and through the little visor piece is what you would see the game with. And it was all in red. And so I have played one of these in the past and they were very, very interesting to play with. They're they're not too major or anything in particular. But the uh, interesting thing about these two, the R-Zone and the Pocket Arcade, is it's actually the same game. Like, if you fire them up, the the models and everything that's used between them is literally the same thing. Um, for those of you that have played Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed, I think that was available across all the uh, platforms recently. Uh, there's a track that's based on the Panzer Dragoon universe, specifically the first game. And to me, it's, first of all, it's a very beautiful track because it's the first time that we saw anything Panzer Dragoon related in high definition. And uh, what the uh, what Sumo Digital did, they're the team that produced Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. They took a lot of source material, so they had, they had a look at some of the early paintings, uh, concept art, and they really sort of built uh, the level uh, around that. So you see a city sort of in the background, and that's one of the cities that appears in one of the paintings in the end credits of the first game. Um, and then as you sort of play through the track, you know, you do encounter the the blue armored dragon, the solo wing dragon. There is also a point where you see uh, Shellkoof. That's one of the, the airborne towers and it sort of flies away into the distance. So really an, a nice homage to a lot of the concepts from the Saturn Panzer games and to see it running in really solid frame rate and high definition. I mean, that's it's just phenomenal. What a head turner that was. Beautiful. And like, I got to play this game with my daughter. It was uh, free if you're like an Xbox Live Gold member um, a few months back, maybe more than a few months back. Uh, But it is easily um, one of the best racers on the system, like kart racers go. But to just like imagine yourself playing a, a game in the Panzer universe where you get to see all of these various, you know, level aspects. And it is so purely the Panzer aesthetic. Like, it is unmistakable uh, for anything else. You know, the first time I saw it, it just, it was like, wow, the colors were so vibrant. And it just, they did such a nice job. Yeah, I mean, it really kind of, with all the talk of, um, you know, remakes and and such, uh, it kind of gives you, like, a vision of what could be, you know. So that kind of leads us with, you know, modern generation games to Crimson Dragon. Uh, which is basically hailed as a spiritual successor uh, to the Panzer Dragoon series. Uh, originally, it was uh, going to be developed as an Xbox 360 Connect game, but the development kind of languished and it got pushed and pushed, eventually becoming uh, kind of a launch title for the Xbox One. I mean, it took a little bit to come out on the Xbox One. Overall, uh, sad to say that the story, um, or excuse me, the, the game was not really all that well received it was a day one buy for me uh, but you know that's kind of being a fan and i'll be honest and it, it's relatively pretty but you know it's played with some grinding issues to to build up and microtransactions uh, i don't know very many classic or retro gamers who are into the idea of microtransactions so a lot of wasted potential there and i've i haven't touched it in years now <laughs> Unbeknownst to me was that a secondary game in the Crimson Dragon universe come out on Windows Phone 7 of all platforms. I had to find this out by uh, just doing the research for this episode. So most of the information that I'm about to provide to you is actually coming out of uh, internet location sites such as Panzer Dragon Legacy. It was released a side story for Windows Phone 7 
uh, on September 12th of 2012, and it uses a touchscreen interface where you can target enemies and control the uh, head character named Sana and uh, her dragon, which was named White Reaver. Being that Microsoft has kind of moved on from the Windows Phone platform, I'm not exactly sure how one would go about getting this, you know, buying this game in the legitimate fashion. But um, yeah, if you happen to know anything about the game, have played it, you know, have some impressions, send us some word back. You know, write to us at uh, our Twitter address, write to us uh, on our Facebook glo- uh, groups, uh, write to us in email. To round up our coverage of all the different Panzer games that are available, I mean, we've got to talk about all the different demos that came out. So in North America, we actually only got one, and it was a playable preview of the first Panzer Dragoon game. So uh, the demo disc was packed in with the initial shipment of Saturn units, and it allowed you to play the entire second level of the game, so the desert level. Uh, It was a pretty cool uh, demo disc, and it was really the only one that we got to see in North America. Uh, The same disc was issued uh, with Saturn units in Europe as well. Uh, Japan also only got one demo disc, and it was that of Azel Panzer Dragoon RPG. So that obviously came a little bit later in the in the uh, Saturn's life cycle. Now Europe had a lot more demo discs, so there were four flash discs which featured uh, Panzer in some form or other, and those were discs one, two, six, and seven in the uh, Flash series. And as well, as Kay mentioned earlier, there was that first disc of the Panzer Dragoon Saga that was uh, available on the cover of the official Sega Saturn magazine and one of the issues there. It was really actually, again, you know, we've, we've mentioned this before, but it's just such a such an awesome uh, uh, way to sort of bundle roughly a quarter of the game and, and try to, you know, entice uh, gamers of the time to buy the full product. Like, it was, it was really well done. Um, and then just to round things up, for the Xbox, there were two demo discs, both in the uh, PAL regions for Panzer Dragoon Orta. So in North America, we got one demo disc. In Japan, they received one demo disc, and the remainder of the demo discs were made available in PAL territories. So Europe really got the lion's share of the demo discs there. Now, all this information that we have been talking about, if you're interested in really diving into the ins and outs of the Panzer Dragoon universe, the best place to do that on the internet is on the Panzer Dragoon Legacy website. We want to give these guys a shout out because they're really the most comprehensive resource of Panzer stuff that you can find uh, on the interwebs. And and we do want to you know put a special shout out uh, and thanks to Claire Sawyer, who's one of the most passionate and knowledgeable Panzer people in the world and she does hang out in the panzer dragoon legacy space and and really we encourage you to listen to our back catalog of episodes and especially the first episode of season two uh that's when we discussed the 20th anniversary of panzer dragoon saga and what was at the time the forthcoming uh panzer dragoon saga resurrection album Okay, moving right along, what we want to do now is just share some of the responses that we've gotten on social media to some of our recent uh, Panzer Dragoon tweets uh, and Facebook posts. So we essentially asked folks to talk to us a little bit about some of their stories with Panzer Dragoon and just to sort of share that with the world. And we got a lot of responses and that was really cool to see. And so we've picked out a few that we wanted to read on the air that caught our attention specifically. And the first one I want to share with everybody is from Sean Gibbles. So Sean writes, I remember I went to a store called Video Game Exchange and saw the game looping on the Saturn. 
Only ever playing the SNES at that time, it left a lasting impression, to say the least. The FMV music and action was like an awesome movie to me. It was so entrancing, I forgot all about the PS1 next to it. And that's awesome. I love that because anytime you can forget about the PS1 and spend more time <laughs> with the Saturn and especially Panzer Dragoon, like, you know, mission accomplished. Next up, we have a quote from Lindsay Jameson uh, who says, I bought the game randomly based on the cool cover and my love of Star Fox. That first level was love at first shot. That's awesome. Next, we have a quote from Brian Saturn on Twitter. I knew how limited the release of Saga would be and was also a broke teen. So a couple of months after its release, my local game store had a used copy on display. I asked them immediately to hold it for me, and I scrounged for every penny I could find. Went back and got it for $40. Can you imagine getting that game for $40 nowadays? That'd be crazy. I, you know, like, and he's not the only one that's got stories of picking this game up for pennies. And, you know, I mean, geez, back in the day, I could have had several copies, too. And, you know, of course, in retrospect, you look back, hindsight is twenty twenty. But for all those that didn't pick up this game for, you know, 20 bucks, 40 bucks, whatever, I, these stories, they're just something else. Oh, no kidding. Quote from Alfredo on Facebook. Easy. My mom bought me a Saturn in 1998. I put in the demo disc and tried this masterpiece. Next day, I bought it. I am still playing Panzer Dragoon in 2019. Love that. That's fantastic. Uh, to have a game that you are playing now, e- years after its release, that goes to show how good of a quality of game this is. Yeah, definitely shout out to Alfredo's mom. <laughs> I mean, way to go, Alfredo's mom. That's amazing. Thank you. You you certainly uh, did the right thing there. Sick of the good job, Alfredo's approves. mom. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, good job to all of your moms out there who, you know, went out and got demo discs or bought your kids anything from the Panzer Dragoon series for your Saturn-loving kids. Or, you know, quite frankly, any Saturn game at all. Good on you, moms. Good on you. All right, so um, our, our next little bit here are our own personal Panzer-related stories. I'm going to start off with a quote from our very own Dave Lee, also known as Saturn Dave on Facebook. Being a Saturn fan in the 90s was fun, for me at least, because the whole console was really a mystery. It was true that as kids, very little advertising made it to our eyes in the end. Bye. So much of what I learned or discovered about this game came in tiny drops. My little brother and I discovered that our county library system had a few copies of various Saturn games floating around from location to location. So we placed holds on everything, regardless of what it was, just so we could try stuff out. One of those games was Panzer Dragoon and Panzer Dragoon's Y, which we checked out over and over again because they were so damn good. We couldn't believe that there were these amazing games that hardly anyone knew about. Isn't that the truth, though? Like, I mean, I've heard that from so many people that, you know, they would stumble upon the Panzer games, and, and this is especially true of Saga as well, and they were these amazing games and people loved them, but no one else around them knew anything about them. So it's almost like they were in on a little secret, you know, in gaming, and they had these games that were so good, and so few people got to experience them. So Can we... that's a common Yeah, I want to just throw another shout out to um, Dave Lee and his brother's public library system 
for having you know the foresight to allow uh, your public uh, patrons to um, borrow and check out Saturn games. Absolutely. Um, you know, I want to share my story with Panzer Dragoon, uh, and because I do have, you know, a rather interesting story, especially with the first game. So I, my first experience with the Saturn is I rented it uh, in late 95, and I rented it with two games, the first of which was Panzer Dragoon. Uh, the other one was Virtua Fighter, I believe. Anyways, Panzer Dragoon, I mean, I was hooked. So first off, the, uh, the cinematic opening to me was just mind-blowing. I mean, I'd never seen anything like it. And then the soundtrack, too, that was so far ahead of what 16-bit could offer. And I was just graduating up from the Genesis, which didn't have, you know, the best sound hardware. So to get this, you know, scored audio soundtrack was just unbelievable. And I mean, I couldn't believe how good the game was. And really, that made me realize that I just had to buy a Saturn. Now, at the time, I was in my early teens. I didn't, you know, have any sources of income or anything. And the Saturn wasn't exactly the cheapest machine on the block. So what I ended up doing is I ended up getting myself a paper route. And, you know, I ended up saving for months and months to be able to finally afford uh, my Sega Saturn. And a few months prior to getting my Saturn, I actually picked up a copy of Panzer Dragoon, knowing that I wouldn't have a system to play it on but really it was a way to keep me motivated so that i wouldn't lose sight of the fact that you know i had to save for that saturn and not spend uh my money on anything else and one of the sort of advantages or benefits of having just the game without the uh without the system to play it on is the game disc actually contains uh the whole soundtrack as red book audio so you could slap it into your cd player or my discman at the time and listen to that wonderful soundtrack um you know any where I wanted to and it's just such a good soundtrack that's such a memory for me and so ultimately Panzer Dragoon uh, is my uh, oldest Sega Saturn game that I own it's the game I've owned the longest since you know early 96 all the way to today I still have the same disc Uh, it still plays and I still enjoy firing it up from time to time because I think it's a game that's held up incredibly well you know I really love hearing these stories of everybody's experience with the Panzer Dragoon uh, games, uh, be it Saga, uh, the first game, the second game, which I keep mispronouncing, and um, it just any of them. They're they're all fantastic, and th- they're like you say, a hidden gem that you're led into this little secret. And uh, so my experience with them is a little different as well. And uh, as you know, uh, my first experience with a Saturn is with a friend that had one at launch. Uh, we'd go over to her house and play games after school, and uh, it'd be all these multiplayer games like uh, Bomberman and uh, all of those type of things. We, we would have a blast with them. Um, now, she never got Panzer Dragoon uh, while I knew her. Uh, she may have picked it up later, but while we were over there playing games, it was not one that she'd ever gotten. So years later, when I got my own Saturn, uh, this was around the year 2005, uh, I got one with a stack of games, and uh, included in that stack of games was the first Panzer Dragoon. Um, at the time, I had never played it. I, it was definitely new to me, and I was going through these games, uh, just trying them out briefly to get an idea of the gameplay, and uh, when I popped in the Panzer Dragoon, and I was instantly grabbed by its gameplay. It became an instant favorite of mine that I still go back to to this day. Such a timeless game. Like, you know, yes, it doesn't look as pretty, obviously, now in 2019. Uh, and, you know, the, the upcoming remake is going to take care of that. But the gameplay, you know, the the soundtrack, the story, the minimalist uh, aspect to it, it still it works today just as well as it did back in the day. Um, 
Okay, do you have a story you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, long-time listeners um, you are know, probably familiar with my story uh, as far as my interaction with uh, Panzer Dragoon specifically. Uh, we had a local Toys R Us, and I was a board high school student, and, you know, board high school students mean go out and play, you know, go, uh, board broke high school students mean go out and play games for free. So I was constantly at the Toys R Us uh, demos, uh, you know, demo kiosks for uh, the PlayStation and the Sega Saturn and the N64. Um, and I spent a lot of my time on the Saturn one. Um, so, you know, Panzer Dragoon was one of the uh, Saturn games that showed up, you know, or it, it was on the kiosk first before Virtua Fighter 2 came out. And I spent a lot of time on that, and so that was my first introduction to the, the world and the gameplay style. Um, but I think one of my most important uh, cherished memories related to uh, Panzer is uh, I had never played Saga I'm one of those guys who, you know, really just as I've gotten older, had less and less time to play games. And uh, it's always been on my list. I wanted to to play it. And uh, a little over a year ago, um, you know, we had brought uh, Peter uh, and Claire into the Shiro family. And we're doing discussion about, like, the 20th anniversary of Panzer Dragoon Saga. And, uh, you know, I had... I was talking with Claire about the uh, you know various aspects of the game and how some people are having problems playing backups of it and there's a lot of misinformation out there about whether or not you need to patch it to use it for pseudo, whether you need to patch it to use it with any cart, so on and so forth. Um, and so Claire and I uh, just you know took it upon ourselves to try the game out. You know she was writing an article at the time and uh, just needed like a technical reference. So, you know, one of the most important, I guess, life-changing kind of conversations uh, I had ever had with anybody came out of this, you know, testing out Panzer Dragoon Saga and playing it literally for the first time. Um, You know, anywhere beyond uh, walking with Edge to the uh, elevator and then first getting on the dragon, that's about as far as I'd ever gotten before that conversation. And it's one I will cherish forever because i actually got to beat a boss and i spent a good part of that you know conversation going i don't know what i'm doing how am i supposed to do this what am i doing you know like what buttons do i press and it was all to try and beat a boss that was at the end of one of the discs um to see if the save progress uh managed to be saved correctly and we could start uh the game on the next disc while using a pseudo saturn cart that's so cool. So that would have been like what 2017, 2018, something like that. Um, it was when you guys came on. So you know, like uh, early uh, 2018, early last year. Wow, to play Saga for the first time really properly, I suppose that you know that many years after the fact. Um, did you ever finish it? Well, no. So, and I can't even say that I played it properly. Really, um, what I did was. It, the test was to see, like, if we, uh, if save states worked properly. Like, you know, you save the game at the end of one disc, and if pseudo would start up the next disc and recognize the save, uh, and if everything would play. I think we're trying to, you know, either prove or disprove the problems people were reporting with launching um, from the second or third disc, uh, you know, after you've beaten certain bosses. 
and uh, you know we we did it. We proved that it was possible. Um, and I, I think really like the takeaway is that uh, I was a complete novice at the game, and really I still am. Uh, but I had uh, a lot of fun. Uh, it was a amazing conversation with a fantastic person, and it was um, like a very like important you know, moment in my entire life. Really, it was you know playtesting this game, uh, tapping into Claire's knowledge about the Panzer universe, and just getting to know her. As you know, this was like the first project we had really worked on together, uh, and so there was. Um, there's a lot of that, the camaraderie, uh, you know, that was going on, and the fact that uh, she didn't laugh too hard at me when I said, "Like seriously, I know I'm the, this, you know, big Saturn collector and everything, but I have never played this game past the first five minutes." And it, it was like no judgment. It was just okay. Let's get down to basics. This is how I do this, and I was able to take, you know, her knowledge and her experience with this game and its game world, and actually beat a boss i'm like this is fantastic so awesome i love stories like this that's great Kay. oh hold on i think we've got somebody knocking on our door oh it's it's patrick pat's back okay welcome pat hey pat how do you think how do you think i've been doing so far at um you know at uh hosting uh actually you know what never mind don't don't answer that. Um, uh, we've been talking about Panzer Dragoon, and we've really got somebody uh, very special that, that we spoke with, and that is Mr. Benjamin Ansom. Uh, Benjamin is the producer of the upcoming Panzer Dragoon remake, and so uh, we are very happy to have been able to uh, sit down and speak with Benjamin, and we're going to uh, play that uh, interview for you now. So, Pat, take it away. So I'd like to welcome our guest, Benjamin Ansalm, to the podcast, uh, who is the producer of the new Panzer Dragon remake coming on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I'd like to uh, welcome, welcome you today, Benjamin. Hey, hello, everyone. All right, so uh, before we start off, why don't you tell us a little about who you are and your role on the pro- on the project? Of course, I'm, so I used to manage a video game studio during 10 years. Um, the video game studio was called Sushi, and we already, I already worked on the existing IPs because I was, I was working for Square Enix, and we were making new Fear Effect games. Uh, so we released uh, one game in uh, 2018, and uh, we were working on the, on the remake of Fear Effect 1. Um, and I had to stop the I had to stop the studio, but I continue working with the Zbigniew, uh, who's my Polish partner. Uh, he's the CEO of Forever Entertainment. Uh, it's a very big uh, European publisher, uh, especially on Switch. And uh, so we start working on the on the crazy project. It was uh, pitching Sega to make a new version of Panzer Dragoon. It was like I think one year ago, something like this. Uh, and we worked a lot, and we pitched a lot, and at the end, Sega said yes. So, since then, I'm uh, I'm working on the project. I'm um, producing the project, so I'm uh, uh, helping the team to develop the game. I'm um, working on communication, etc., etc. Nice, yeah, I love those Fear Effect games. So I have to I have to thank you for that for sure, and uh, definitely <laughs> thank, thank you. For, yeah, thank you for pitching uh, Panzer to the Sega. I know we haven't got one in a while, so it's really nice to have something coming after all these years yeah we worked a lot on 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 this project but we were extremely extremely excited when they say okay maybe let's try something and at the end yeah let's do it together 
and it was really really great and uh, since then it's it's awesome we are working very hard we announced it i mean nintendo announced it for us during e3 and uh, since then uh, it's it's crazy for us so it's great oh it's awesome and we're as fans of the series we're very grateful for your guys going ahead and doing that um did you play the original panzer dragoon games when they were current and are you a panzer dragoon fan um, to be honest, when I was young, I was more a Nintendo guy, you know. <laughs> uh, so uh, I didn't have the Sega consoles uh, until uh, late, I think, 2000. So uh, maybe a few years after the release. Uh, but when I got the Saturn, I bought the Panzer Dragoon 1, uh, Tsvai, of course, and Sega, and I played it a lot. Um, so I am currently a fan, but not when they were released. I'm a late fan, let's say. Panzer Dragoon was a great game choice. Love the selection that you did there. So uh, why did you select Panzer Dragoon as a game to remake? And what are your goals with the project? Um, it's it's hard to, to answer because the, the, we, we just want to work on, on, on games we like, you know. So uh, with, with Forever, we have a lot of ideas, different ideas. We see a lot of people we pitch a lot of different games uh, sometimes it doesn't work sometimes it works um, but it's only on games we, we like and we think we have something new to make with the games not uh, um, not, not just a remake but to, to revive a franchise or to make to make something new in fact um, so in, for this Panzer Dragoon has everything we need it's a famous franchise it's uh, the game was released a long time ago and it's still very modern in, in the gameplay extra and we were sure we can do something new and exciting for the fans so it's exactly why we chose the, this game and after that it's pitching speaking and uh, working on the on the project and uh, waiting for for uh, Sega's reply um aside from the nintendo switch are you developing uh, the game for any other platforms and then just can you comment on you know how complete the project is and if you have any target release dates for the two games um, I will not be able to say more than what I think you already know. Um, we are working for, for the Switch, of course, uh, uh, but we never said we were working only for the Switch. That's not, not because Nintendo announced the game that we, that we will not develop it on other platforms. Um, we didn't announce anything specific yet, but we didn't say that it will be only on Nintendo. Uh, so it's, it's very important. Um, second thing is the, the release date. Uh, uh, we say this winter. Uh, it will be this winter. Uh, and this winter uh, is uh, between, uh, let's say, uh, October and uh, next March or something like this. I can't be more specific, unfortunately. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we will stick to, 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 to what we announced. Uh, in terms of development, we are uh, far... Uh, very close to something we like in terms of feeling and gameplay. In terms of content, we, we are far also because we have a, a lot of content already made, different levels, a lot of monsters, a lot of things like this. Um, yeah, and after when, once we are happy with the feeling and the, and the gameplay and etc., we'll work on um, things less important for us like uh, you know cutscenes and voices and stuff because it's easiest for us to work on, on this part. So let's work on the hardest part first. Um, one of the things that I was curious about is uh, can you comment whether whether these titles will be receiving uh, physical releases or is it more going to be like a digital download at on the mm. Nintendo shop? Uh, we will get physical release for sure. 
uh, we didn't announce yet with uh, who we are working on the on this project because we we are not physical publisher ourselves. Forever is only digital publisher, but we are um, working on very excellent um, physical publisher. So you will get the physical release of the game. Uh, that's fantastic. Okay. Um, as far as Sega goes, is uh, Sega collaborating with you at all? And uh, have you received any like source material or been in contact with the people that worked on the original games or have any of the stuff from those original copies? Or are you doing this all basically from uh, scratch? Mm. So it's two important questions, in fact. The so first one, we are uh, working extremely closely with uh, Sega. We are sending them extremely frequent uh, milestones, you know, bills, and so they can try the game, give feedback, etc. We are really working closely with them. We are speaking on daily basis with, with them, um, and they are extremely involved in the project. Definitely, they love the IP, and they want us to make the best job possible with with the with the game. So um, yeah, they are very very useful. They gave us um, some materials, um, mainly artistic materials, not a lot of um, technical materials because we don't need it a lot. In fact, um, we need more like you know concept arts, uh, 3D models, uh, things like this. Uh, so yeah, they are they are, they are helping a lot, a lot. Uh, and second part of your question was about the former team, and uh, yeah, the, I, I can say that we are in contact with them. Uh, and we are work we are speaking with them. Um, it's public because I post on my Twitter account uh, in February. I think a photo of me and uh, Futatsugi San, who's the creator of the of the VIP. Um, so yeah, we are in touch definitely, and we we are working with them to ensure that. It, it fits what they had in mind when they were working on the project and when they had big limitations that we don't have anymore today. Um, yeah, so, so they, they are helping. All right, Benjamin. So you were talking about the limitations that the old team had that you guys obviously don't have with the Switch. Can you elaborate on any of those? Like, is it basically like a number of enemies per screen, number of sprites, or how much basically a delay time for attacks or something along those regards? Uh, what kind of limitations uh, did the old crew have that you don't have to work with? Uh, in fact, uh, a lot. Um, you know, I don't. It, it's a bit technical, but we, we, the Saturn was extremely specific to to, to develop on because the she had it had two processors. Um, one was only two D, another was only three uh, D, and so you can see in the game that there are a lot. It's a three D game, but with a lot of two D assets and two D textures. So obviously, we don't have this any, anymore. Uh, we oh, everything is in three D in the game, um, including explosions, including visual effects, etc. Et um, and we don't have to think about optimization as much as they they, they add to. Even if we still have, we we really wanted to 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 work. Uh, very good on on switch uh, both uh, dock mode and handle mode so we are working on 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 um, on this but not as much as they had to but the the fact is that all the limitations they had gave a unique feeling to the game and it's this is our challenge today is to keep the feeling uh, even if we want to the, the game to be faster the game to be with more explosion etc we need to keep the same feeling that uh, that that players had uh, so it's it's the biggest challenge i would say Oh, absolutely. Thank you for that. All right. So the original Panzer Dragoon game was groundbreaking on the Saturn for a number of reasons. 
Forever mm-hmm. Entertainment has stated that the remakes will feature enhancements while remaining faithful to the original story. Mm-hmm. What else can you tell us about these new changes? Um, I think there are two kinds of improvements. To, in, yeah, improvements of modernization. Maybe we can we can say for for the game. The first one is the, as you saw, graphics are obviously much more uh, detailed and HD than than they were. Um, we also uh, have the, the the freedom to put a lot of assets on the levels to to uh, make something maybe closest to what what the developers maybe had in mind back then but couldn't like uh, when you are in a temple uh, in the in the original game it's a water lake with few columns you know and in our game we can you can see the temple there are a lot of columns columns are falling etc so it's, it's artistic or only but it's an uh, important improvement for us uh, second part is uh, um, Few modes. We we want to stick really close to the original game, but we we will add few options. Let's say it's not mod options. Uh, first, the the fact that you can switch between um, remastered uh, uh, music and and uh, original music. Uh, the fact that you can uh, add uh, shadows like CRT lines or something like this. Uh, it will only change the graphically the game, but. Um, it will be a nice addition for for the for the players. Uh, in terms of content, in terms of game mode, extra, we'll be extremely close to the original game. That is excellent news about the music. That was uh, really the question I wanted to ask next, uh, because the soundtrack for the original game, uh, composed by Yoshitaka Azuma, it's you know really considered one of the best soundtracks uh, of all time for video games. So so the fact that it's in as an option in the game, I think is excellent. Um, and, and so you were mentioning that uh, there will also be a remastered version. Is that the that the case? Uh, you will get, in fact, two two versions of the, of the music: the original one and uh, a new one. Unfortunately, I can't say more about the new one. But in the the next weeks, you will get some uh, nice news. And I think if you like the IP, you like the, the the news. I can't say more, and I really want to. Um, but yeah, just stay tuned because I think you, I think every fans of a good fan will be extremely happy. Uh, we're super excited to hear more about that. We, I love the soundtrack of that. To hear we have all those options is going to be amazing. Um, okay, so the, the first Panzer game took uh, a lot of inspirations, including the artwork of French artist Jean Giraud, and he went by the name of Mobius, and he's no longer with us, but um, I, I wanted to, to sort of ask, what is the inspiration behind the remakes, and are you looking to present a certain uh, visual style? The inspiration is really the uh, the first game. Uh, it, it may sound stupid, but it's staying very close to the original game and to the feeling, even if in terms of artistic direction, etc. And you look at the game, you have to say immediately, oh, it's a Panzer Dragoon. And the fact is that when you... I don't know if you saw this video on YouTube the, about the reactions when we then when Nintendo announced the, the game, uh, but we were extremely happy because you can see that after two seconds, they immediately say, oh, it's Panzer Dragoon because it's, it's colors, it's... Uh, just the horn of the dragon, extra, extra. So it's sticking to the original game and imagining what 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 is the if they had the, the, the possibility to make something today, what will what would it be? Uh, so it's yeah, it's about the texture and it's a lot of work in terms of proposition. We make um, proposition, we send to Sega, we get feedback. Okay, change this. Maybe it was not the idea, extra, extra. 
So the main inspiration is the is the is, is the original game. I can't say that Moebius uh, is uh, an inspiration for us, but it is indirectly. You know, it it was the main, uh, maybe not the main, but a, a very big inspiration for for the team back then. So it it is for us too. But we don't look at uh, pictures of Moebius today, saying, okay, we, what can we add? No, it's not like this. It's, it's we take the game and we try to see what would it be if if the game the original game was released today what would it look like what would it look like look like so it's it's a challenge it's complicated uh, and that's why that's why the fans are extremely important for us because when we get feedback on the on twitter on the or discord channel etc uh, we read it with extremely carefully because uh, we think we don't think that we are the only one who are able to 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 make the to to to, to, de to decide what will be the, the game today. We really think that the fans have to, to help us. You know, it's amazing. I love that. That's great. So the theme of the Saturn Panzer Dragon games uh, is kind of like a, a vast, lonely, very empty world, um, particularly in the first game. Uh, it has a huge open desert with very little activity going on uh, big um, uh, forest canopy and a water world um, how do you plan to preserve that feeling of desolation in this remake as you're adding more graphics and elements to it mm. uh, it's extremely important because it's uh, most of the feedback we had uh, following the, um, the announcement was about this um, the thing is that it's impossible for us today to make a game as empty as it was before. It was empty because uh, because they didn't have the choice. Today we have the choice. So so it's impossible. I mean, fans are extremely important for us, but we our mission is also to convince uh, new fans and enlarge the audience of the game. And you cannot do that with the uh, same exactly same level design as it was in the original game. So we we had to make to add more elements definitely as you saw in the trailer. There are much more elements, there are much more details, animations, uh, things happening in the background, etc. Et and that's a choice and we will go, um, definitely we'll go in this direction for the, the rest of the development. Because, yeah, fans are extremely important, but in the same time, we need new players uh, if we want to see more projects in the Panzer Dragoon uh, IP. So we go this, this direction. The thing is that, that we analyzed is that um, the feeling, uh, this emptiness gave you is feeling of freedom and we are really looking mm, uh, in this direction and we really want to keep this feeling of freedom the fact that you can play uh, look around you uh, it's extremely important in terms of gameplay but also in terms of uh, uh, visual and um, artistic direction um, and the fact that it's a rail shooter but i think it's one of the reason why the game was so successful and so important in the in the video game history it's a rail shooter so it's basically the most uh, the, the less free game possible you, you know you are on race and you have to follow the race but despite this you you have uh, an, an incredible feeling of uh, of freedom when you play the game and that's what we are looking for and i hope we we will manage to get this feeling I mean, when I play the game, because I play it a lot, uh, I have this feeling, so I think it's, we are in good direction, but yeah, I, I hope we manage to, 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 to please the fan also with that. But the, the, this is an important question because we have a lot of feedback about this, and I want to say to the fans, we have to make more details. We cannot make an empty lake with nothing in, uh, on, on, the, on the lake. We have to, make, to put more details, but let's do it a smart way. I absolutely believe the fans are going to love the details that you guys are going to make. Um, another thing that I was kind of curious about is, um, so the first Panzer Dragoon featured very basic gameplay where 
you uh, hit the button to basically change your view, your dynamic mode, you look around, you fire, you hold it down mm. to lock on target, that sort of thing. But then when in Panzer Dragoon's Y came in, it uh, featured improvements such as the branching paths, an evolving dragon, and a berserker attack. Will any of these features from the second game make it into the first Panzer remake? Uh, and how will the new games play differently from the originals if you're shifting the control just slightly? Um, short answer, no. <laughs> no, no, we will stick to the original game content. We, I, I mean, I really think I, we cannot add this kind of gameplay f new features in the original game because it will change all, everything in the, in the game. Uh, it will change balancing, it will change even the story. Uh, it's impossible for us to add this, this feature. But in the same time, you know that we already announced that we are working on Panzer Dragon Spy. Uh, and of course, these features will be in Panzer Dragon Spy, but not in Panzer Dragon 1. It's very one-to-one -one game compared to the original in terms of mechanics uh, and, uh, and gameplay features. I gotcha. Can you tell us any additions to the game, such as new levels, features, secrets, Easter eggs that you want to maybe have us keep an eye out for? First thing is, is, the, is the music. Second thing is the visual options like uh, sh new shaders, etc. So you will be able to have a feeling very close to the original game. And if you want to play with all options, etc., you will get a feeling very close to um, a new one. Nice. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to all those features. Don't, you can't give us any Easter eggs to keep an eye out for or anything that... Uh... Um, no, I can't. And anyway, if I, if, I, if I give it to you, it's not Easter egg anymore. So uh, you will have to discover. Fair enough. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the original Panzer featured a very compelling story from the perspective of the Dragon Riders Kyle and Lundy. When experiencing the story through their eyes, the player felt a sense of, of being a part of a much bigger story. There's an air of mystery. What are your plans to implement the story in the remakes? And will you also use a minimalist approach to maintain the mystery around the story? Mm, about the story, mm, everything will be also the same. Um, cutscenes will be, of course, remade and improved a lot. And I think you will love the cutscenes we are working on. Um, but yeah, in terms of story, it's the same. We, we, we won't add nothing new. Uh, we won't change anything because it's not, it's not our job. And uh, I think the only one we can change or do an addition to the story is the, is the former team, not, not, uh, not us. So our job is to make a new version of the game. When there was a dialogue in the original games, it was spoken in a fictional language with subtitles. Uh, the language had kind of a very consistent Teutonic, Germanic uh, sound to it. How will this feature in the remakes? Uh, will the ancient language be preserved, or are you having a different bit of a spoken language to it? Mm, that's the question uh, a lot of fans are asking. Um, to, to be honest, we didn't work on, on this part yet, uh, but I'm sure that we will stick uh, to the original game. So we'll get the same language and we'll get the same pronunciation. Of course, for us, it's maybe easier because we are in Poland and in France, so it's easier to record in, uh, in German. But yeah, it will be the same as in the, as in the, the original game. So nothing new uh, and nothing different. So hardcore Panzer fans are sure to buy this game, uh, but what will make this game appealing to new players that have no history with the original Saturn games? It's extremely important question for us because, as I said, our mission is not only to please the fan, it's extremely important and I, we are really doing our best to please the fan and uh, and ensure that uh, all the fans from the Panzer 1 and 5 are happy with what we, we, we are making. 
but in the same time, we have to bring new game to the franchise. And as I said, if we want more projects in the Panzer Dragon franchise after, we need more players. So I think the game has all it needs to attract new players. I think it's, the game is still very unique. I don't see a lot of race shooters, good race shooters with good story, with nice visuals on the on the Nintendo Switch, especially. But even on, even on on PS4, Xbox One, etc. So. so I think the game the game has everything it needs to to attract new new player. It needs to look gorgeous. That's extremely important because the, a lot of players who don't know the game will buy only because they are seeing nice screenshots. And we also need the community support us and say on the forum on articles on reviews that the game is good if it is of course uh, the game is good and uh, and um, you enjoyed it even today um, because a lot of people will not play the game on on a, you know an emulator or on a, on a computer so we, we really need to convince these people to try and after it's our job once they try they like it but that's what we that's what we need and that's why community is extremely important uh, the hype is extremely important, and it started already with the Nintendo announcement. And after making, of course, making a good game, but I really think the game is not, uh, you know, uh, it aged very well, uh, even with the previous graphics. It's still fun to play. It's short, of course. It, the game is short, definitely, and our game will be short also. So, um, but it's very, it, it fits the Switch. I play, uh, you know, one session. Uh, I play one chapter for ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and after, uh, I stop. Um, I think it has everything it needs to to succeed. No, it's our job to make it uh, great. Yeah, I'm really really excited you guys were able to bring a game of that style onto the Switch. I know uh, sort of the, those rail type shooters are really far between. I mean, we haven't seen something even like a Nintendo Star Fox in quite a while. So mm. you're definitely mm. doing what uh, you're definitely doing what Nintendo don't, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but maybe, maybe if it's a big success, maybe yeah, we can expect. I, I, a lot of people is watching what we are doing currently, so we, you can expect a lot if the game succeeds. Okay, so the Saturn featured three Panzer Dragoon games. They were all groundbreaking. They're all considered among the very best uh, gameplay experiences on the Saturn. And you're remaking the first two games, the the rail shooters. So, so here's the question: Are there any plans for the legendary third game? Um, is there any plans for continuing with remakes either of other Panzer Dragoon console games such as Panzer Dragoon Orta from the original Xbox? Uh, so currently, there is no precise plan, uh, but for sure, Sega is watching what we are doing with the game, how the fan react, uh, how the um, Nintendo announcement is, is received by the community, and uh, it would be absolutely stupid to stop uh, porting the game and working on the IP if it succeeds. So, um, mm. as long as it succeeds, I think we can imagine anything. Uh, I don't say that it will be us working on the project. I, I don't know. Today, it's uh, it's not something I can uh, think about. But uh, the announcement was already great, uh, both in terms of uh, impact and in terms of uh, reception. Uh, and it's already unlocked uh, discussions, you know, uh, but no, nothing, nothing is sure. I, I just know that they are watching. They are watching, and uh, depending on to, on what we'll do and what will be the reception, we can imagine a lot of different things. All right. So you mentioned earlier that uh, you guys have been reading, uh, taking in feedback from the community, uh, particularly I, you mentioned Twitter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Has there been any feedback um, that you guys have received about the game that we haven't talked about in this interview that you'd like to address? 
Um, not really. I think we we spoke about uh, almost everything. The, the feedback are currently really excellent. Um, I think everyone wants to see more, and uh, I can tell you that you will be able to see more soon. Um, we opened the Discord channel uh, to let the fan give uh, give us their opinion and uh, help us make the greatest game possible. So. Please join the Discord channel on the for, on the Forever Entertainment uh, server. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think we, we discussed everything. The, the main question we have is about the uh, will will there be new modes? Uh, do you, will you keep the the the, the, long, the strange language? Uh, uh, and I think yeah, one of the most important points we spoke about is about the. Uh, the fact that the game is not as empty as it was before, but I, as I explained, it's not a choice for us, it's a, it's a decision. And uh, I think everyone will be happy at the end with this decision. You had mentioned earlier, uh, basically, about the technical limitations of the Saturn, uh, you know, with the 2D chip and the 3D chip, and basically how they integrate in programming it. And um, it had me thinking that I was wondering if, as a producer, I imagine that when you pick favorite games for the Saturn, you may be picking based on the technical prowess of a game integrating its 2D and 3D. But in general, what are some of your favorite Sega Saturn games? Um, for me personally, I'm really into Japanese uh, role-playing game. Uh, so I think few names come uh, in your mind uh, when I say that. I, I'm really into Japanese games. I really love Japanese games. I think Japanese games are, are really something more than, you know, than the other game. And for example, the mixing mixing all these uh, influences, like uh, how a guy from Japan in the 90s uh, knew Mobius and took it and made a great game with it, etc. And that's really what I like uh, and I love in Japanese uh, games. Of course, if you speak about uh, GRPGs, it's shine, Shining the Holy Ark, for example, Shining Force, of course. Uh, that's the game I, I really love on that earth. I, it's, it's one of my favorite GRPGs. I love the Sakura Taisen um, uh, series. Um, yeah. Nice, yeah. We're, we're really excited personally about the, the new Sakura Wars uh, series. Are you going to be able to yeah. play that when that drops? Uh, I, I I will. I, I don't. It's going to be released. I think in a few months. And yeah, but I'm waiting for. I'm looking forward to playing it. Nice. Um, nice. Do you have any uh, sort of dream projects that you'd like to to work on, or anything that you'd love to get your hand at? If you have sort of an infinite amount of money and budget to work on hmm. another project. Um. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> uh, a lot, but. Uh, of course, I'd love to work on my favorite um, game franchise, of course. But, you know, for example, Panzer Dragoon, uh, when I started working on, on the game, was not one of my favorite uh, franchises. But uh, the community, the reception, the what we are making with the game, make, becoming solely one of my favorite video games. So it's great also to start working on something you don't know perfectly, and then you, you learn to know it extra. So now, what I'm looking forward to is releasing the game, uh, seeing the reception and uh, seeing what kind of uh, new projects it will unlock after that. I have to tell you about my dream project for you, though. This yeah, is please. this will be fantastic. Oh my god, I I would come to France and help you with this. It's basically I I feel like Panzer Dragoon VR would be an amazing <laughs> hit. Okay. It, it's it would be perfect, <laughs> but of course this is my dream. 
Okay. You know that it's sometimes difficult, uh, this kind of interviews, because you want to say a lot of things, but sometimes you cannot, so yeah. Oh, I totally understand, no problem. <laughs> and maybe you imagine something. Let's see. Let's see. Um, would, do you have any, you know, interesting or funny stories from the development of this game? Um, you know, stories about, you know, something that, you know, may have happened that took you guys by surprise or, you know, uh, something funny that happened? Uh, if you're speaking about Panzer Dragoon development, the, the first one, you really should, uh, I think it's public, uh, check the video Futatsugi-san made after the, the, the GDC, the talk he made during GDC. Uh, he's speaking about the, the development and there is a lot of very good um, stories and um, and things like this. Um, about our development, uh, it, uh, just after the announcement, of course I was watching Twitter a lot and um, I saw that people were extremely surprised that the remake of Panzer Dragoon was possible because the I think the source code of the game is lost or maybe unusable or something like this. Uh, and I was amazed that everyone thinks that we need source code to make porting because it's absolutely not the case. I think at least 60-70% of uh, game ports are made without the, the original source code. And it's it's crazy and funny that the, the people who are not really into video game industry thinks that you need the source code to port the game. It's absolutely not the case. And uh, so you can imagine that there is no game that it's impossible to port. You can port any game. In fact, it's just playing it, trying to get the same feeling, copying it, but you don't absolutely don't need the, the source code. Yeah, and you know, I'll just comment on that. You're right, especially in the Saturn community. Everybody seems to think that, especially with a third game, there's no way that that's ever going to be remade specifically because the source code mm -hmm. has been lost. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that's not the case. It, you know, the, there are other factors, of course, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's nice to know. That's definitely nice to know. Um, and you know that uh, most of the game, I think most, if not all the game during the 90s, all the video game company lost the, the source code. When we were working for Square Enix, for Enix on the Fear Effect IP, they don't have the source code of Fear Effect anymore. And they don't even uh, have uh, any, you know, materials, no concept art, no 3D models, nothing. So, and it's not a big problem. Of course, it's better if you can uh, have some uh, materials, but it's not a very big deal if you, you can't. Yep. On that question, I was curious what uh, companies like Forever Entertainment and sort of the what is the modern uh, standard for source code preservation nowadays? I know all the companies use Git and all that source control. I was wondering if there's some some extras or any extra mm -hmm. uh, backups or precedents for after the the game's completed and the game's gone gold that you take to preserve the game. Uh, yeah, I think we are much more aware about this uh, because we know that we may need the source code two years, five years, ten years after the, the end of the development. Uh, but basically, it's, you know, versioning of, of the source code. So Git or uh, SVN, but Git today uh, and local backup. And that's it. And it's enough to make the, the game run again and, and modify it if you need, etc. Et so can you maybe tell the people who might not be so uh, in the, the industry, if you see like a difference between porting a, a game and doing a remake. Mm, you're right. And, uh, and thank you for, uh, for, for, for this question, because to be extremely precise, you need the code to port, but not to remake. If you want porting, I mean, porting is taking the game as it is and, uh, and uh, putting it on a new device. For this, you need the code. Even if I think, for example, I think, I'm not sure, but I think Square Enix and, uh, for example, for the Final Fantasy on the Switch, 
is taking the an emulator and the um, ISO of the of the CD, so they don't really need the code. But you need the code in most of the cases. For remake, it's very different. It's you start from scratch, uh, just with the inspiration of the of the game. You can try to be as close as possible, or you can take some freedom with the original game. Um, but you don't need you don't need it because you will yeah start from scratch. Uh, and I mean from scratch, it's creating the 3D models again, even concept arts again. For example, we created a lot of concept arts from existing creators and monsters, but still we created new concept arts. Uh, of course, new models, new sound effects, new visual effects, uh, and of course, new code. Oh, that's excellent. I'm, you know, I'm kind of curious, and I know you can't say, but uh, in terms of music, uh, uh, Sayori Kobayashi uh, ended up doing a lot of work on, you know, the later Panzer Dragoon games. And mm-hmm. I know you can't say, but it makes me curious whether there will be any involvement from, you know, somebody like her. So I, we will wait and see. We're very excited. Yeah, <laughs> let's wait and see. But yeah, we, we do as the, as much as we can to please the fans. So if the fans say that Kobayashi-san is the uh, most um, uh, legit, you know, musician mm-hmm. since the, the, the previous one is dead, uh, I, I don't remember his name, I'm sorry. Shitaka um, Azuma. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, we are listening to that and making our best. Finally, is there any messages you'd like to pass along to the Panzer Dragoon fans? Uh, I want to thank them because honestly, since we announced the game, we've been we've been uh, overwhelmed by your positive uh, energy. So that's great. Uh, I hope it will continue until the the release of the game. I'm sure it will. We are extremely uh, reading extremely carefully your feedback. Even uh, you can write it on my Twitter. So it's it's uh, at and also a n s e a u m e. And uh, on forever Discord server, of course. Uh, and yeah, it's extremely important for, for us. You are as much expert as we are in the game. So we really need you. And uh, yeah, thank you because it's only positive and uh, it's great. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your time. And we wish you a stress-free development period. Thank you. Bye. Okay, wow. I mean, what an amazing experience to be able to have, you know, that conversation with Benjamin. Um, First of all, I mean, there's a whole lot of information that we just took in, guys. So I want to break it down a little bit and uh, just discuss really, um, you know, uh, bullet by bullet, uh, what we just learned. So the first thing I want to talk about is, uh, so he mentioned the release date being this winter, and he quantified that by saying that would be anywhere from October of this year all the way up to uh, March 2020. So quite a big window, but this game is coming. My favorite aspect, or one of my favorite aspects about this interview is that, you know, while he was talking about that, he made mention of the fact that it's not really necessary to have the original source code to port Mm. a game, but then, you know, actually made mention of the difference between porting a game, which does, you know, he specifically stated, so everybody out there who says you don't need the source code to port a game, we have an authority on it stating, yes, you need the source code to port a game. This is not a port. This is a ground-up remake. And that's an important distinction. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this remake is looking like it's going to be amazing. And um, on top of that, I have a massive wall of games, you know, physical collection. And so while I would totally be buying this game 
even if it was just a digital download only, no problem whatsoever. But the fact that it will receive a physical release, that's awesome. Now, we don't know who will produce the physical version, but we do know that it is coming. So, so I'm really hyped about that. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, a lot of folks are, you know, either physical all the way or some people are saying, no, go digital. But I mean, to have both options is excellent because, you know, both sets of fans are going to be uh, uh, catered to. Um, you know, so so Panzer Dragoon Remake has so far been announced uh, for the Switch, but uh, Benjamin did say that it is not only for the Switch, not exclusive to the Switch. Now, obviously, no other platforms have been announced. Um, you know, there's only so many of them, though. It's not going to be all that hard to guess where else this game is going to be uh uh, is going to end up, but uh, ultimately, it's it's really cool that it is coming to the Switch. You know, we can we can presume it's going to come to the PlayStation Four and to the Xbox One, and so you know everybody's going to have an opportunity to to play Panzer Dragoon Remake. Uh, all right. So uh, another takeaway that we have is that uh, Forever Entertainment wants to remain very close to the original game. Uh, there will be very few new features aside from uh, aesthetic upgrades. Uh, it's going to have the same levels, the same storyline, same overall gameplay features, and will have the same uh, unique Panzer-like uh, language. Uh, so, you know, very good news for you know people who are fans of staying true to the original source material. Yeah, but you do also get uh, some rearranged music, which is really going to be really nice. But if you want to stay true to the original, then you can also switch between the original and the rearranged music. So... Uh, the new artist is not yet revealed, but it is a known personality in the Panzer world. So it's a possibly a Sayori Kobayashi, possibly, uh, maybe, perhaps. Yeah, that's, you know, that would be fun, eh? I mean, if, <laughs> if anyone, as a fan, if anyone should do the rearranged music, I would hope that it's Sayori Kobayashi. You know, she did the uh, score for Panzer Dragoon Saga, and she also, you know, had the very recent uh, rearranged album, and she just did a phenomenal job. So, you know, for her to take the original work, Yoshitaka Azuma's work, and rearrange it, like, that's going to be super exciting to me, and that's going to add an awesome dimension to this game. If... Um, if she ends up being the one involved, yes, and and you're right, Kane. We should at this point just point uh, just uh, point out that you know this is just us speculating as fans. You know, Benjamin was very clear that uh, you know nothing's confirmed yet. That you know it'll obviously eventually be revealed, and it is somebody who is known in the Panzer uh, community. But you know, at this point, it's just speculation that it's going to be Siri Kobayashi. It could end up being uh, somebody different. So we'll wait and see on that. But you know, if everything points the way it seems to be pointing, you heard it here first. Absolutely. Um, speaking of things that you heard here first, so uh, Benjamin mentioned that uh, his team is now working with the original team, and that's uh, Yukio Futatsugi's team. Uh, first of all, uh, you know, I think that's super awesome um, because it allows them to make sure that this remake is in line with what the original team's vision of the game was. You know, back then, obviously, a lot of uh, what... Uh, became Panzer Dragoon, uh, you know, was done the way it was because the Saturn had uh, technical limitations. That's not really the case anymore. And so, you know, a developer might be tempted to just, you know, add a whole bunch of stuff into a game. And, you know, eventually that game doesn't really uh, look like the original anymore. And so the fact that, you know, they are consulting with the original team and wanting to make sure that they stay true to that original vision, you know, as a Panzer fan, I like that that's just the greatest news ever. And so that's just super exciting that, uh, you know, he's been able to confirm that uh, for us. 
you know, and I'll say like you know, to that point, I was one of those uh, in our last cast who was kind of a little bit on the skeptical side of things. Like, you know, we saw the trailer um, that was done and you know, we all kind of had our reactions to it. And one of the biggest reactions I had, I think a lot of you know people kind of shared uh, this because Ben did mention it a couple of times uh, in our interview. You know, there was uh, some criticism levied at the idea that, you know, the Panzer world that a lot of us, you know, played, especially for the first game, was very stark, you know, desolate, empty, lonely. Um, and that kind of added, you know, for some of us to the aesthetic of the game. But him saying that he's working with, you know, original members from Team Andromeda and that uh, he wants to stay true to the vision of the game. Now, I want people you know who are like me uh, and have been levying criticism to hear that you know statement he wants to stay true to the original vision not to the original final product and that's kind of got my head turning like how many of us really know what you know was on the artwork um, you know the production demo artwork uh, for Team Andromeda when they were first planning out Panzer Dragoon and its world you know maybe they had to scale back a lot of what they wanted to do simply because of the technical limitations at the time. So, you know, it, it's got me cautiously optimistic that, you know, maybe we've never really had anything to worry about in the first place because Forever Entertainment, they're really going to focus on that original vision. But that aside, you know, in our interview, Ben mentioned, uh, you know, a cool feature he'd like to see. And, and I think, you know, a lot of us who've been playing around with VR, uh, you know, feel the same way. Uh, Panzer Dragoon, you know, really kind of lends itself to the idea of wearing a headset, looking around your world and seeing what you can aim and shoot at. So the idea of the possibility of a feature such as, you know, a VR mode, you know, the Nintendo Lab, was it Labo? Uh, kind of supports um, some limited VR. That's, uh, th that's kind of cool. You know, not confirmed, but... If there was ever a wink-wink, nudge-nudge moment, that kind of felt like it, didn't it? Oh my god, you are not kidding. I felt satisfied by the wink-wink, nudge-nudge. And um, if we get that, that would be amazing. It would be so much fun to try a Panzer Dragoon game in VR. And uh, so, yeah, like you say, it's not confirmed, just a possibility, and that's, that's totally fine. Uh, it also kind of helps, you know, confirm or... I would say reinforce the idea that this could come, you know, besides just the Nintendo Switch, uh, it could come out on other platforms, you know, perhaps uh, Steam you know, VR with uh, oh, the Oculus platform um, or the various other PC platforms, or really the what's currently like the most popular and affordable uh, VR setup right now is the you know, PlayStation VR, PSVR setup. So possibilities, nothing confirmed, but boy, was that a wink-wink, nudge-nudge. Oh my goodness, no kidding. And if we want this to keep going, if we want our Panzer Dragoon world, our Panzer IP, uh, this game needs to be a success. And Sega is going to be watching this project very closely. They're going to be very interested to see how this remake of a classic genre game works out. And so it's going to be up to us as interested players to actually purchase the game and show our interest and show our interest with our wallets. 
Yeah, and I mean, so, you know, Benjamin mentioned that the reception to the Nintendo Panzer reveal, and and I'm going to, you know, paraphrase him here, but he said that it has unlocked a lot of discussion with Sega. So, you know, in terms of future Panzer uh, projects, you know, once we get past the first game, as well as Zvi, what's next? And I mean, so he's made very clear that, uh, you know, source code is not an issue. Uh, that Sega is watching this very closely, and that obviously it would uh, be foolish not to continue working on an IP if you've had success in the past. So if this game does really well, you know, if if fans really you know dive into this and buy it, then is Panzer Dragoon Saga really the impossibility that we have for years and years thought it was? And I mean, this starts to give me that that inkling of hope that, you know, there's a chance that this could happen. If these two games do really well, then we potentially could, you know, see more uh, uh, Panzer work done. And and so that to me is maybe the most exciting thing that we've discussed in the last little bit, that we could potentially see more. And more does include Panzer Dragoon Saga. So it's just really just, you know, great stuff. Great stuff. I need to give a particularly special shout out to Peter for making this past interview happen. We have all been kind of excited about this remake and unbeknownst to, you know, most of you when we're putting together an episode, you know, we we do a lot of planning uh, and prep work. I mean, some of our ideas for shows have gone back years in the past, but we had a particularly fun in uh, with this because uh, our Canadian bacon over here, Peter, uh, (laughs) is of Polish descent and actually speaks the language. And it turns out that the CEO of Forever Entertainment happens to be Polish. And so cool in because Peter took the time to write to Forever Entertainment in his native language. And kudos to you for having the insight, you know, to to try and put that together. And really an amazing interview, you know, end results. So uh, I just want to make sure that proper credit goes to our editor-in-chief, uh, Mr. Peter Malik. Aw, thanks, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Pour some syrup on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive into our Saturna Obscura. So today, the obscure game is G-Vector. So hands up if you've heard of this game before. What's this? Nobody has? Okay. So it's it's a game in the same... I'm going to say the same vein as Panzer Dragoon in in terms of a a gameplay style, but obviously it's, you know, it it is quite different as well. And it is obscure enough that most of you have not heard about it. So we've all taken a bit of time to play a little bit of it. And I'm just curious what you guys' impressions were of G-Vector. Ben, do you want to kick us off? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so G-Vector, when I fired it up, uh, reminded me very much so of launching out of the airship in Star Fox on the uh, Super Nintendo. And uh, when you get onto the ground where you're actually shooting the enemies, 
then it starts to feel more like a faster-paced Panzer Dragoon. You know, you got your um, locked-on target weapon, you have a single-blast forward-firing weapon, and a it's kind of like a triple-blast forward weapon. The pace is definitely faster, and uh, it very much feels like a Panzer Dragoon game, but it doesn't quite have the quality of the Panzer Dragoon game as far as the gameplay goes. Uh, the first stage that I was playing is uh, basically looks like it's through the like a mountain region, and uh, you get through that area and you fight a big boss, and you actually are timed on how quickly you can defeat the boss. Now, if you don't defeat the boss in a certain amount of time, it's not that you lose the level, it just you don't get the points from it. And so then the boss would just kind of go aside and you would proceed to the second level, which is a city arena, which is actually a lot of fun to play. That was really entertaining when I was flying through there. Uh, but overall impression was it's not as polished of a game as like Panzer Dragoon or Race Storm or Star Fox, uh, but it definitely was something that was fun to play just to have kind of that breath of a rail shooter when there wasn't anything else that uh, could fit the, fill that void. Uh, what about you, Kay? What did you think about it? So first off, uh, if you don't, no, I suck at video games. Um, that I'm really kind of bad at them. It's it's almost comical. Okay, anyway, I played this game you know, in specific for this cast, you know, just to prep for it, and you know, the Saturna Obscura. And uh, the the impressions that I got from it, typical rail shooter type that I've played. My personal favorite rail shooter, you know, aircraft style rail shooter, chase shooter, um, was Afterburner love the daylights out of Afterburner in the series, even though I'm still no good at it. So I never actually even got past the first level. I got to the boss like twice and died. And then I played again and died. And then I played again and died. And that's the the first immediate takeaway. This is not a game for people who get frustrated dying. Um, It's uh, we were talking about it earlier in in prep for this cast. I feel like this game is kind of like chess in that it is easy to learn the rules and pick up and play, but ridiculously difficult to master. And so rather than rely on just my own experience, I went online and looked for other people's experiences with it as well. There started coming in the um, uh, comparisons to like layer section for the Saturn, which was race storm everywhere else. Uh, even in like the similarity of the ship shape, it kind of looks like the R gray ships, but designed by Taito for layer section slash Um It looked to me graphically of the backgrounds and such very Panzer like, you know, maybe not as thought out. But if I were to compare gameplay, I would say it's a faster Panzer, just like you did. The one thing that was interesting to me is that you know that that difficulty level. It's because you have one life to play everything you can take up to two hits uh, and then it's over and then you get to continue but if you continue you sacrifice your score so the premise of this game regardless of what story may or may not exist is that this is an arcade style shooter where your goal is to get the highest score possible and it kind of forces you into that by making you play by its rules Uh, the lock you you have the three buttons as you're mentioning one's a single shot laser um, the, the last one is a, an auto shot laser, kind of like a rapid fire, you know, repeat of the first button. So you can just hold it down instead of keep pressing. But the middle button is the lock on button, 
And what that does is it allows you to move your uh, reticle through the screen and have up to five seconds of a lock on a target. And when you hit the B button, it fires off the lasers and hits all those locked targets, very similar to Panzer Dragoon does. Where the differences kind of occur is, you know, that score multiplier. If you get one ship, you get 200 points. But every ship after that expands until you're up to, if you get all eight, you know, that you can get in one lock-on segment, you can get like 51,000 points. And so reading through this, I'm like, huh, this is not one of those games that you're playing at all for story not really one that you're going to be playing for aesthetic. I don't know anyone who plays, you know, Afterburner who plays it for a storyline, right? You're you're there, you're shooting your missions, you're avoiding the background, the, you know, your environment, and you're avoiding getting hit by missiles while shooting everything in sight. And that, I think, is the takeaway, you know, from this game. It is kind of super cool, though. Uh, I did not realize in my first couple of playthroughs of that level where I died repeatedly, because I'm not Chaz, <laughs> but... Um, the uh, the environment and the enemy ships, they don't hurt you. There is no collision. So the only way you can get hurt is by the bullets. But if you don't know that going in, you're spending your time avoiding ships, avoiding enemies, avoiding you know the big boss at the end, and avoiding the mountains or you know whatever you have in your environment. And I think that was a neat little trick that the developers threw in there to try and give it a, that in- additional sense of difficulty reality is if you just focus on trying to get the best score possible you probably will get a little bit more out of the game now that was actually something that you had pointed out to me after i'd been playing it for a while because uh we actually were talking about the game before this podcast and i had already been playing it and i was given some feedback just between me and you and i wasn't really impressed so far at the time because uh, the way that i was playing it was more or less in the way of defeat the enemies, get to the end, kill the boss, that sort of thing. And when you had mentioned even before that this is a this is a points game, and I, it immediately made me think, oh yeah, you're right. And so I changed the way that I was playing at that point. And immediately after that, it was a lot more fun to play, and my strategy was completely different. And so definitely understood this game a little bit better than I did when I was first playing it. And for those of you that uh, are interested, the game was both published and developed by Soft Office in 1997. It's uh, Japanese release only. And uh, curiously, it supports the 3D control pad. Now, if you guys had to recommend this game, would you? Kay, would you recommend this game? If you're a fan of arcade-style, high-point, traditional Sega kind of gameplay... I think you can find some benefit out of it. I would say this is a must-play for those people. I cannot recommend you purchase this game. There's not a lot of depth beyond that shooting aspect. And I think as we've kind of discussed here, you know, a, a lot of how they're the tricks that they use to force you to play the game that they want you to play. It, it, it's cool that they did that, you know, but after you've discovered those secrets, it's literally get the best score you can i can't say that it's worth the prices that it's going for on ebay based on that what about you ben if you're the type of gamer that has already played van arc if you played race storm if you played layer section if you've played all of these type of shooter games 
and you want something else, I would absolutely recommend this game. If you are a gamer that has not played any of those aforementioned games, this isn't a game that I would recommend first because the quality of these other games is so much higher and that I would want you to try out the Van Arks and the Star Foxes and the Panzers of the world before going after G-Vector, which is just not quite up to part of those games. But otherwise, it, it's, it's a good solid game to play uh, after these other ones. All right, well, that just about brings us to the end of this episode. You know, in continuing with our Panzer coverage, right around this time, we should be publishing my latest article, and it's going to be about the original Panzer Dragoon game. Um, As I've mentioned uh, earlier in the episode, I've got a very personal sort of story uh, that goes with this game. It was my introduction to the Saturn. And so this article will really kind of focus not just on the game itself, but also, you know, on those stories, which I think are so interesting all these years later. Uh, This news related uh, just came in uh, to Panzer Dragoon Legacy uh, this past Thursday. So fresh, fresh, fresh news. MagWest has tweeted that they are welcoming Panzer Dragoon Saga composer Sayori Kobayashi. She will be at MagWest 2019 on September 13th through the 15th in San Jose, California at the Doubletree Hilton. So if you happen to be in the area at the time, go and, uh, go and visit. Something else that we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be going to PRGE this coming October. Uh, you will see uh, several of us there this year, which is uh, going to be pretty fantastic. I know uh, myself and Peter are going, and Kay will be there as long as time permits him to. This is something that we're all looking forward to, we all thoroughly enjoy, and if you get the opportunity to come, I highly recommend it. You'll find a lot of Saturn games being played, being sold. You'll have a bunch of collectors around to uh, discuss all of these different things with and um, come up and talk to us. We, we want to talk and hear from you. We really enjoy our fans. Homebase will be in uh, the free play area of the show. Some of us will be there from Friday on. I actually have a booth there, and I run the Xbox local area network gameplay section. So yeah, come and visit. Uh, who knows? We might even have a shirt or something for people to come by and visit that you can pick up and purchase might even be doing a panel don't know where that stands yet but come take a picture with the giant knight sign and the master of knights himself mr peter canadian bacon slash maple syrup milk. so we hope that you've enjoyed uh, the fact that we had an interview as part of this episode now obviously we're not gonna you know have interviews on every single episode that we produced but from time to time we will have guests you know join us on the cast So, you know, keep uh, listening in and who knows what surprises we're going to have for you. Now, if you are a new listener to uh, the Sega Saturn Shiro podcast, uh, I invite you to check out both our website, segasaturnshiro.com, where you'll find dozens of Saturn-centric articles, um, or check us out on Podient, where you can listen to the 25 or so episodes that we have produced to date. Beyond just our, our Podient uh, website and our uh, SegaSaturnShiro.com website, uh, you can listen to this cast on a bunch of different locations, uh, including Radio Sega, um, obviously the aforementioned iTunes. 
You can reach us through Twitter. You can reach us through Facebook at uh, Sega Saturn Shiro. You can you can Twitter us at Play Sega Saturn. Uh, you can even join us on our general Discord channel. Believe me, we are putting ourselves out there for you. Also, uh, you guys can catch me do a playthrough of the G Vector that we had discussed earlier. Uh, we'll see how far I can actually get, and uh, it should be released already. If not, uh, you'll see it on the next day or two. So, with all that said, thank you so much for being a Saturn fan. On behalf of Ben, Kay, myself, and the rest of the Shiro family, thank you for spending your time with us today. We hope to have your ear for future casts. Lastly, above all else, remember, you must play Sega Saturn. Come take a picture with the giant knight sign and the master of knights himself, Mr. Peter Canadian Bacon slash Maple Syrup. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make sure I bring my pet beaver. I'm just kidding. I'm going to cut that out. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know what's really funny is that we have have two state college uh, teams, and one of them is the Oregon Ducks, which, like, we have... that they got the permission from Disney to use Donald Duck as their mascot. And the other is the Oregon State Beavers. So every year, Oregon has a Civil War football game between those two, you know, uh, two colleges. And there's a, a movie that was filmed here called Bandits. Uh, Billy 
Bob Thornton, I think, and uh, Bruce Willis in early 2000s. And I want to say Billy Bob's character wakes up in a panic and just goes, beavers and ducks! <laughs> 